Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, presented by Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your Hornets podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us here once again on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. It's a Silver Linings edition. Hornets falling to the Western Conference and now NBA-leading Minnesota Timberwolves. Minnesota wins for the fourth time in a row, seventh time in their last eight games, and four. Time in their last 16 tries. They are really rolling 15 and 4 now after a 123 117 win over Charlotte, who falls to 6 and 12 in the defeat. We will give you our silver linings from last night's contest. Also, offer a little bit of a late but still worthwhile, hopefully, December preview. Charlotte's got a full schedule here heading through the holidays. We'll give you our take on the schedule ahead. Helping me on all these topics, he's my producer on the Hornets Radio Network, as well as the producer of this fine podcast. Rob Longo here with us once again. Rob, great to see you as always. Charlotte falls 123 to 117 to a very good Minnesota team. Both sides without arguably their best player. No LaMelo Ball for the Hornets. No Anthony Edwards for Minnesota. Timberwolves' best trait all season long has been defense. I don't think the Hornets had a bad game at all offensively. I think it was one of their better ones. Uh, But in the end, Timberwolves get a couple of breaks to go their way and end up walking out of Spectrum Center with a victory. That's my short synopsis. What is your takeaway from last night's game? That's a pretty good one. I mean, when you take a look at this game at the beginning of the season, you're thinking LaMelo Ball versus Anthony Edwards. This is going to be a great showdown of that 2020 draft class. And then neither of the guys end up playing in this one, unfortunately, due to some injuries. But I mean, the way that this one basically shook out if you would have told me after the first I don't know three four minutes of the game that the Hornets were going to come back and have a chance to win this one in the fourth quarter I would have taken it because Minnesota started a game on a 10-0 run the Hornets did counter with an 8-0 run of their own for what it's worth but you get to that second half and Charlotte's got a puncher's chance they kind of flipped the lead a little bit back and forth there especially in that fourth quarter they were up by as many as four which the way that the game went it felt like it was up a, a 20-point lead quite frankly because again Charlotte didn't have its first lead until about 51 seconds left to go in the first half and that was pretty short-lived so anytime that Charlotte was able to get on top it just felt like it was almost game over in that sense but unfortunately fourth quarter things just didn't go Charlotte's way Minnesota ends up going to the free throw line 17 times in the fourth quarter I know a lot of that is because Hornets were trying to extend the game they ended up fouling a lot there and forcing Minnesota to get to the free throw line but I mean Timberwolves closed the game on a 21 to 11 run in the final four minutes and 44 seconds that's going to win you ball games that's kind of where that one got turned upside down I think the biggest turning point in this one was late in the fourth quarter about 2.43 left to go. Mark Williams gets called for his sixth foul on an offensive screen. And usually I don't have a problem with that, but it was just a very, very gray area. And again, I'm, I don't want to get fined like Steve Clifford might based on what he said after the game, but it's just one of those ones where you just want the players to decide the game. And if it's not egregious, you kind of let it go. And it was just really disappointing to see Mark get his sixth foul called on that because at that point, it was 111 to 109 in favor of the Timberwolves. If that foul is not called, even if the Hornets turn the ball over in that possession, you still got Mark Williams out there on the floor going against Twin Towers like Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns. And that one just felt like it kind of flipped the game upside down a little bit because Charlotte elected to go small there. That didn't work. You bring in Nick Richards and quite frankly, just not the best sequence from Nick. He goes down the lane and gets blocked by Rudy Gobert. He comes back the other way and allows an in one opportunity as uh, somebody draws contact from Minnesota. So it's just kind of a weird swing in that sense. But I think that was basically the turning point of this game with under three minutes to go. 
show, your best center in the game, obviously, Mark Williams, uh, ends up fouling out and it was just kind of took the wind out of the out of the sails a little bit. Yeah, I don't disagree. I think that was a turning point there. Mark Williams exiting the game. He didn't have a spectacular game. 11.6 rebounds, not a, not a double-double effort. You look at the plus-minus, he's a minus eight. That's more than the Hornets lost by, but it definitely was a game-changer in that moment as Charlotte seemed to have some momentum and then having to survive essentially three minutes of an NBA game against one of the biggest teams in the association that plays so well defensively. It just puts a lot of pressure on you to make your first attempt because you don't assume you're going to be able to get offensive rebounds very easily, and it makes it all that much more difficult to close out defensive possessions on the other side. But uh, in the end, look, this one was a close one, and, and there's a lot of numbers here that you would expect to see with Minnesota with a big size advantage to have an advantage on, and it's just not there. A second chance points, even though the Timberwolves outscored the Hornets by six in the game, they won by six. Charlotte had 11 offensive boards. Minnesota had 10 turnovers. Minnesota committed three more than Charlotte did. Hornets scored an extra point off turnovers than Minnesota did. Free throw disparity heavily in the T-Wolves' favor. I think that is something that uh, is notable. I don't think it was a great whistle, but I don't think the Hornets lost the game because of the whistle necessarily last night. Uh, Charlotte shot a good percentage from the floor, shot a great percentage from three, shot a great percentage from the free throw line, and got enough shots up in the air to get the win. Uh, this is this is the NBA, and, and some nights you're going to play pretty well or the numbers are going to say that you're going to play pretty well and you're just going to come up on the short end of the stick because they're NBA players over there as well. I kind of felt at the end of the game like that might have been one of those nights. But after the game, Hornets head coach Steve Clifford was talking about more, I think, not just last night's game, but formulaically what the Hornets need to do to address their biggest issue. And based off all the numbers that are out there, and I don't think this is going to be a shock to anyone, it's the defense. The Hornets defensively going into last game were 30th out of 30 in defensive rating. And it's something that, according to head coach Steve Clifford, we'll let you hear from him in a moment here, can be cleaned up. There are simple things, not necessarily strategic, that the Hornets can do that will immediately help their chances. Uh, But right now, this Hornets team, for all of the firepower they have offensively and for all of the justified reasoning that this team has had players absent all season long, and that's impacting things as much as anything for wins and losses, the defense is ranked 30th out of 30, and that has to be addressed. Here after last night's loss is what Hornets head coach Steve Clifford says needs to happen to fix the defense. If you do three things in this league, I'm talking about defensively, which is our struggle, obviously. If you can defend without fouling, which takes discipline and technique, Okay, which I would dare say that outside of two or three other teams, nobody works on it more, talks about it more than we do. If you'll run back on defense every time, which takes zero talent, there's nothing that takes less talent in basketball than running back on defense. And if we'll block out with physicality on every shot. So if you are, say, top seven or eight in defensive rebounding, top ten in not fouling, of which we're like 28th, and then you're top ten in transition defense, all of those things take not a lot of talent. They do take physicality, they take effort, and you got to be smart about it. So there you have it, Hornets head coach Steve Clifford talking to the media after the game. I think of those three things, the one that's been the biggest issue for the Hornets, in my opinion, has been the fouling. They commit fouls at bad times, they commit silly fouls, they commit the same types of fouls over and over and over in games, which after the first one, maybe you didn't think it was one, but you clearly know what the officials are looking for to keep 
continue to repeat the process and hope you get a different result. Uh, that is, as they say, the definition of insanity. Overall, rebounding-wise, Mark Williams has been good. He's been top 10, 15 all season long in rebounding. Rebounding percentage, Hornets are about middle of the pack. Could they be better considering their size on the floor? Yeah, they could be. Um, but I think the fouling is, is definitely the biggest one. They're giving up too many points at the foul line too often. And, uh, and if the Hornets can clean up those three things, get back on defense, stronger on the glass, and stop fouling so much, Charlotte could skyrocket, hopefully, as quickly as they get healthy, which hopefully is in the not-too-distant future. I believe we've run over Rob Longo, so you're going to go first on the next segment, which will be our Silver Linings segment. That's coming up next. Hornets take the loss to Minnesota 123-117, to our Silver Lining selections. After this break, here on the Hornets Hivecast. Sam Farber, Rob Longo here with you on the HHC. The Hornets Hivecast brought to you by Senta. Hornets take the loss against the number one team in the NBA, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Minnesota with the victory uh, now moves to the top record in the entire NBA. They are just having an outstanding start to their season. It's their fourth straight win. They have won something crazy like 14 out of their last 16 games, uh, 15 and four best record in the NBA. Rob, I, uh, had to close out last segment after we had coach talk, but let's let you tip this one off. And if you want to lead off with your silver lining selection, that is quite all right as well. Yeah, I guess we'll go with silver linings. The one point I was going to make in the last segment, we talk a lot about announcers jinx when it comes to stuff like this. Before the game yesterday, Steve Clifford said in his pregame availability, we're getting better at not fouling. So unfortunately, I guess maybe we're talking about a coach's jinx now. I don't know. I digress. At any rate, silver linings, I got to go with the top performer off the bench. That was P.J. Washington. Rozier over Gobert for the board. Hornets flying into the front court. Rozier to the corner. Washington open look at a three. Yes, sir. P.J. Washington drilling in another lose. Three-point shots, and it's a one-possession game. P.J. ends up finishing with 18 points off the bench. By far the best bench scorer for the Hornets last night. Was fairly effective as well, 7-14. to 14. From the field, four for seven beyond the arc. Also had seven rebounds, five assists. That's now six straight games that he has been in double figures. That also is a little bit of a gap there when he didn't play that game against Washington last week with that foot soreness. So you go back to just basically the smaller sample size over the last five, six games or so from P.J., and he's just been playing some very good basketball because there was a little bit of a lull there in terms of his scoring output towards the middle of the season now so far. I know it's small sample size, but there were a couple games in there probably about two or three weeks ago where he just wasn't scoring the ball as well, had some rough shooting days. And right now with the way that the roster is with the healthy available players, PJ's going to have to be that reliable scorer coming off the bench. Last year it was Kelly Oubre. This year it's going to have to be PJ Washington because he's one of those guys that is a swingman, quite frankly. He can start if you need him to. If there's a bunch of injuries, which again, knock on wood for the upteenth time, that doesn't happen anymore here for the Hornets. We've had enough of it over the last year and a half or so, but he's one of those guys that is going to have to be relied on as a scorer, especially with that second unit. So the fact that he just continues to get it done is maybe a culmination of silver linings just because of his play over the last five, six games or so. Yeah, I think he's been playing well. I think the numbers aren't always going to bear it out, but I mean, he has seemed to even out his performance now coming off the bench uh, making the adjustment. Really, the the games that scare me from P.J. Washington are the ones where he doesn't shoot the basketball. He is too good of a player to attempt 
less than, quite frankly, 10 shots a game. He needs to be in double digits every single night. Last night he was 7 of 14 from the floor, 4 for 7 from 3, one of his top three three-point shooting games of the season. There are some guys on this squad who, if they make their first two or three shots, then they're going to start escalating their attempts. P.J. shouldn't be one of those guys. P.J., either as the leader of that second group or just mixing in with the flow with the first unit, has to be taking a lot of shots. I think he did a good job of that last night. Quite frankly, I think he's done a good job of it since going back to the the bench role. You mentioned he missed one game, but otherwise he shot double-digit attempts in each and every contest, and the result has been him scoring in double figures off the bench in each and every contest he has played in, uh, helping the Hornets uh, really kind of stabilize things with that second unit. So I like the pick. P.J. Washington flourishing in this role off the bench, and he had a really strong game. He would have been my number one pick for Silver Linings selections, but you took him, so I will go with my second pick, who was the Hornets' number one scorer. That's Terry Rozier. Rozier, four seconds on the shot clock, hops to his right, fires, and hits the three! Oh my goodness! Team Teal back on top with a triple from Terry Rozier. Terry, a really strong game. Perhaps my numbers or my perception on Terry is a bit jaded based off of the high level of play that he has set. I mean, when you have a season-high 37-point career-high 13-assist game, make all the right plays in a one-point road victory, uh, maybe that sets the bar a little too high for any human being. But Terry Rozier is one of those guys you just trust that they're going to meet that occasion night in and night out. But nevertheless, you have 23 points, 3 for 7 from 3, 40% from the floor, 80% from the foul line, six rebounds for a guard, seven assists leading all Hornets. You'll take those numbers every single night. By the way, seven assists, only one turnover for Terry Rozier. Uh, and also threw in a couple of steals. I thought he played really, really well. You know, obviously in a game that's that close and it gets into crunch time, you want to see your stars help you get across the finish line. And more often than not, Terry has done that. Had a stat at the end of the broadcast. Charlotte, in two possession games this year, including last night's loss, is 5-3. and three. So the problem for the Hornets hasn't been, oh, they keep losing all these close games. The problem's been they can't get into the close games, probably primarily due to injuries. But once they get there, it's the guys like Terry and Miles and LaMelo when available and Mark Williams that often make the plays to get the team across the finish line with the victory. Unfortunately, last night against the Minnesota Timberwolves, an excellent team playing spectacular. Spectacular basketball, the best they've played probably in a decade up there. It didn't quite go their way, but overall, I like what we saw from Charlotte. I think this team is still very much trending in the right direction, and now they'll get a couple of days off and uh, try and get ready for the in-season tournament week, which, of course, the Hornets are not going to be involved in, but for the umpteenth time, if you've been listening to this podcast, we do have two new games on the schedule. Wednesday, Charlotte will go to Chicago. Friday, they will host the Toronto Raptors, a Friday night home game at Spectrum Center added to the schedule. If you don't have tickets already, you can get yours at Hornets.com. Speaking of the Hornets schedule, we're going to take a broader look at the month of December, break it down for you, let you know our thoughts on the Hornets upcoming schedule. That's next here on the Hornets Hivecast. Sam Farber, Rob Longo here with you on the HHC, the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider 
of the Charlotte Hornets. Hornets have their December already underway, but we wanted to take a a little bit more of a look. We usually do a month review and a month preview. We remembered to do the month review for November, forgot to do the month preview for December. So even though we are a game into it now, thought it would be worthwhile to check the schedule and let you know our thoughts on the month of December. Of course, two games have been added to the slate, including the Hornets' next one on the road at Chicago on Wednesday and then Friday night at the Hive hosting the Toronto Raptors. The NBA on NBA.com does a, a full breakdown of the easiest and toughest schedules for the month. They do it for each conference, do a little blurb on each team. Charlotte, in terms of opponents' win percentage, which can be a bit deceptive because it's so early in the season. Some teams have been dealing with absences. The Hornets, hand-raised right here. Uh, so I tend to look more at how many back-to-backs do you have? What's the home road breakdown? I think that's more telling than the opponent's win percentage, but it is worth noting amongst Eastern Conference teams, Charlotte has the third toughest opponent's win percentage, Washington and New York, the only teams that have a more difficult one, and that's the cumulative opponent winning percentage. That was as of the end of last month. So something there, some food for thought for you, the team with the easiest opponent's win percentage, Philadelphia. As if they needed any more breaks right now. Sixers are playing pretty well. Uh, Rob Longo, uh, what sticks out to you for the month of December? Obviously, already one game in. Have a couple of game, a couple of days off before getting back to work against Chicago. Anything that stands out to you about the upcoming slate? Well, I think a lot of it is basically like the strength of schedule article that you referenced. Because when you look at what the Hornets have to go up against, it's a lot of good talent. I mean, you got Miami twice in consecutive games, the Pelicans and the Sixers. Thankfully, they're at home. Bad news, they're on back-to-backs. New Orleans, and then second night of a back-to-back is the Sixers at home. You play Toronto twice, so that's familiar. You have to go to Indiana again, which we already saw what the Hornets did against the Pacers the first time around. They're back at the beginning of November, that thrilling win where LaMelo Ball was able to poke it away from Tyrese Halliburton, who was having a great night. Then you got the defending NBA champs and the Denver Nuggets coming to town, and then you got to head west, and you got to take on the Lakers, the Clippers, and then you got to take on Phoenix on the second night of a back-to-back as well, which, again, when the schedule comes out, I think we kind of griped about it a little bit, but the fact that you fly out west – you have a couple of days to recuperate over Christmas. You play the Clippers. You have an off day. You play the Lakers, and then you got to go to Phoenix for the second night of a back-to-back. Personally, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I don't know why you just do a back-to-back in L.A., but I digress. So uh, You know, the Crypto.com is a very busy it's arena. A bu- yeah, I mean, they had two games yesterday. They had one at 12, and they had one at uh, 7.30. There you so go. I totally understand it, and you got to schedule around what the arena availability is. Totally understandable, but that one a little frustrating. So it's a definitely a tough slate here for the Hornets before the season started we didn't know about those two in-season tournament games and what that week was going to look like here upcoming for the Hornets so before we knew what the schedule was I had Charlotte going four and seven in the month of December now that we know what the schedule looks like next week I got them at five and eight I got them going 500 next week hopefully I'm wrong we'd like to have a little two-game winning streak before heading into a game against Miami divisional opponent would certainly be helpful but again this is a tough month for the Hornets I think this was something that we looked at at the beginning of the season and said just based off of the travel and the quality of the opponents based off of the expectations we had going into this season it was going to be tough and I think we were able to confirm that here now that we're 
uh, what, 17 games, 18 games into the season now. Well, here's my thoughts on this. I actually view this more favorably now after looking at the schedule. There's 13 games in the month, including the one the Hornets just lost to Minnesota. Uh, so one home game down. you got five home games left on the month, seven on the road. It does include the front half of that West Coast road trip. So that that's always difficult, but not impossible. Generally speaking, you know, I'm looking at the schedule. I'm looking at back-to-backs and I'm looking at home road breakdown. The team with the worst home road breakdowns are the New York Knicks, three at Madison Square Garden, 10 on the road. They really have a tough schedule coming up. That's one where I don't think it would be a shock to see New York fall out of the top six and, and really take a tumble because their schedule is very, very difficult, both in terms of quality of opponents as well as in the location of the games. The other one who's got a really tough home road breakdown is Atlanta, another team that Charlotte's chasing. They're more around 500 right now. They're in the play-in, not play-off picture at the moment. So that's another team that could be impacted. Charlotte, I, I don't think the home road breakdown is so unfavorable that it's something they can't overcome. Uh, one team that does have a really good home road breakdown, two of them, in fact, Chicago, nine at home this month, five on the road, and then the Milwaukee Bucks, eight at home this month, four on the road. So those two teams have the benefit, two others have the loss. Charlotte somewhere in the middle. The big thing for me is back-to-backs. Hornets are right in the middle of the pack. They only have two of them, and if you look a little bit closer, it's even better than that. The L.A. to Phoenix game, I agree with you. That's rough. Phoenix will be on normal rest. Hornets will be on night two of a back-to-back. That's going to be a very difficult game. Sometimes when you look back at things, you say, hey, that one could have been a schedule loss. They'll play him. Hornets might rally there. Head coach Steve Clifford. They play him for a reason. Yes. Head coach Steve Clifford has told me many a time that he doesn't buy into any of that garbage, and it, it you know the, the guys are going to go out there and, and go do it. But the statistics say that you know the rest advantage is a real thing, and so the Phoenix Suns will have it. The only other time the Hornets have a back-to-back, it's a home-home back-to-back, which is the best way to do them. You sleep in your own bed. You've got the most favorable rest, most normal schedule. It'll be the 15th and 16th, a Friday and Saturday night at the Hive. Hopefully it is a great atmosphere for both games, really rallying the team. 15th, they'll play the New Orleans Pelicans. 16th, they'll play the Philadelphia. 76ers who will also be on a back-to-back and they clearly have to travel for it so that one almost you take the back-to-back nests of it out of the equation is that a word I don't think so all bets Uh, are off we'll just say it that way in any case what I'm getting at is I don't think this is that tough a schedule now will the Hornets thrive this month will they play above 500 basketball after getting off to an 0-1 start I really don't know I think that's really going to be based around how quickly LaMelo Ball returns and we hope to have some kind of update after the reevaluation based off the previous timeline that wouldn't be until after the Chicago game anyways but if you keep your fingers crossed you get lucky he comes back sooner rather than later you might play the lion's share of the games in this month of December with your full top three available and the rest of the roster getting healthier as well health is a huge factor in the NBA I like Charlotte's chances this month so in summation Home road breakdown, Charlotte's middle of the pack, back-to-backs. I would consider the Hornets on the low end for the Eastern Conference in, in terms of favorability. It's a more favorable one, not a uh, more unfavorable. I think Charlotte's got a manageable schedule here. Yes, that game at Phoenix is going to be tough, but all the other ones, Charlotte's either even or with an advantage in terms of rest. Locations are what they are. you got to play every team everywhere, um, but I, I like what things the Hornets have in front of them right now here for the month of December. And I think one of the more favorable things is the way that this in-season tournament week went for Charlotte, getting a game at Chicago, getting a game at home against Toronto, teams that are 
in similar areas of the standings with them. I mean, this could have gone completely sideways depending on who won the groups in the Eastern Conference. I mean, you could have ended up playing at Boston. You could have been playing at Boston. You could have been playing a lot of other quality teams as well. So I think that that might be a little bit of a factor and just the fact that if you're able to weather that storm here over the next couple of days, because keep in mind too, I mean, this is something that Steve Clifford talked about in the pregame availability before the game yesterday too, is now you have today off, you have tomorrow off, and then you're able to go to Chicago and have a little bit more time as well to just kind of regroup a little bit. And, you know, Steve Clifford is one of those guys that's old school. He wishes he had more time in training camp. He wishes that there was more time with multiple days off in the season, even if that means more back-to-backs or anything like that. So he wishes he had more time to just kind of adjust and get the troops ready, more or less, for lack of a better term as well. And now you're able to do this with the way that this in-season tournament week looks like because of the way that the knockout round goes. And everybody else has those two designated dates that they are allowed to play in so that all other their eyes can be on the in-season tournament. So it almost favors those teams that don't make it to the knockout round more or less. And I know I'm getting a little off topic here, but this is a week that's going to be very important for Charlotte just because you're going to be able to reset a little bit, maybe install some new things, go in with a fresh mindset going into Chicago and then you win one you stack another one against Toronto and then all of a sudden you got two against Miami which is a southeast division rival all of a sudden things are looking up if you're able to rally two together you've played the heat pretty well earlier in the season also so you never know what's going to happen but this is something that could maybe shape up to a better month than most people think I think it does I think ultimately the schedule is not going to be the barrier in front of the Hornets this month it's going to be health can they get this team healthy if they can I like their chances to take off still if they continue to struggle with health, then everything gets tougher, and that, that's just the story of professional sports. The Hornets have four home games coming up this month that are all on Friday or Saturday night, so plenty of opportunities to come out before or during the holidays and enjoy Hornets basketball. It starts Friday, this coming Friday, the 8th. Hornets will host the Toronto Raptors. One week later, the 15th, home against New Orleans. The next day, Saturday, the 16th, against Philadelphia. And one week from that date, the 23rd of December, Christmas Eve Eve, Hornets will host the defending champion. Festivus. Festivus for the rest of us. Hornets will host the defending champion, Denver Nuggets. Please make your plans. Come on out and join us at Spectrum Center. Tickets are available at Hornets.com. Coming up on the Hornets Hivecast over the next couple of days, as Rob mentioned, we do have a couple of days off without games, so nothing to preview. We've got a couple of interviews, though, to share with you. In recent days, we caught up with Hornets all-time great Baron Davis, and we caught up with Hornets rookie Nick Smith Jr., two people that couldn't be at further ends of their careers, uh, but both of them were kind enough to join us in studio. We'll share those conversations with you over the next 48 hours, and then, of course, we'll have our game preview episode of the HHC on Wednesday in preparation for the Hornets at Chicago. So, Rob Longo, you get a couple of days off. I'm going to take them, and I'm going to run with them. We will enjoy them all. Hope you do as well, but do hope you'll join us on the Hornets Hivecast over the next couple of days. Again, Baron Davis in studio, Nick Smith Jr. in studio. We look forward to sharing those interviews with you. Till next time, for Rob Longo, I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you along. We will talk to you next time right here on the Hornets Hivecast. Thank you for listening to the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. For more coverage, visit hornets.com.